0: Oh. All- Honestly
1: Unbalanced Welcome to episode 91 of Honestly Unbalanced where we chat to people that try to make your life that little bit better and this week that person is Susie Redding who is a mother of two, author, chartered psychologist and coach She specialises in self-care helping people manage their stress, emotions and energetic bank balance It was a life experience of motherhood colliding with the terminal illness of her father that sparked her passion for self-care which she now teaches to her clients, young and old to cope during periods of stress loss change and to boost their resilience in the face of future challenges Susie is a psychology expert for wellbeing brand new organics and is a founding member of the nourish app she's written many books including the self-care revolution stand tall like a mountain mindfulness and self-care for children and parents the little book of self-care self-care for tough times this book will help make you happy uh and she's published her first journal, And Breathe, and a new set of not set of cards, a deck of cards called The Little Box of Self Care. Her latest book, Rest to Reset, is out now. In this episode we chat about why it's beneficial for everyone to see a therapist, especially the kind of men that want to just go things alone, the benefits of having that impartial person for support discovering different ways to experience rest depending on what you need and the difference between burnout and stress. We chat about why we feel guilty when we take rest and how hard it is to actually do nothing. We talk about Susie's journey uh, and how she found freedom in a full expression of everything she can offer versus focusing on a very specific niche. And she helps me try and find some rest in my busy schedule. Before the episode begins... Just a little announcement for me two things two amazing things coming up first is holly and i spain retreat joined by michael james wong and Cami vidal it's in september uh and it's amazing it's an amazing venue you'll get yoga sound healing breath work with uh teachers that are leaders in their field and me <laughs> but yeah it's going to be an awesome time in one of the best retreat centers In Europe, I think. So if you want to join us there, head to Thusters.com. And then I'm also launching or have launched my cohort three of my Level Up program. It's a six month, 100 hour online program for yoga teachers. It includes education, it includes one-to-one mentoring, group mentoring, not just about the teaching of yoga, but also the business of yoga, finding your why uh, and finding your niche and living the life you kind of want to live so head to AdamHustler.com if you want to find out more about the level up program and of course a little message from our sponsors first Lifeform. i love Lifeform. i've used their mats forever and code hustler 10 all caps will get you 10 percent off unless it's a sale which i think they have on at this moment depending on when you're listening where you get the sale discount plus five percent off with that code since i got them i've been wearing my vivo barefoot Non stop. Uh, Viva Barefoot are those cool barefoot shoes. I particularly like their trail ones. Uh, All the benefit of having barefoot shoes but with all the grip that you might need when you're walking around the hills of Surrey Uh, and code all caps Adam Hustler VB will get you 10% off Vivo Barefoot Uh, and then also I've started to work with brand Innermost so Innermost uh, I actually met their founder when they were launching many years ago Uh, they do very clean uh, protein shakes and general wellness products Uh, I'm in a bit of a sort myself out before I get a dad bod, five at the moment, so I'm using their supplements to get me in shape and code adamh-10 all caps, adamh10 will get you 10% off their gear. I'm going to love you and leave you and let you enjoy the podcast. Honestly, I would I would love to begin our conversation today about the lack of men particularly that seek any kind of emotional or psychological support. Uh, it's significant and I, I've had it once in my life. Uh, that was kind of preemptive, and I went to that period where my dad was about to pass away. I was going through a breakup. I would broken my foot. Lots were happening in one period. So I just thought maybe let's just let's just speak to someone as we go through the as we go through this process. Uh, but I haven't had any since. Most of my friends have never had any, unless they live in California, in which case they all have. So what is it? as, a, as a, an, an international uh, living and uh, international teaching person, what is it perhaps you notice, particularly about UK men, uh, that means that they don't necessarily get, connection, get support in that sense? And why is it important, I guess, and why is it important for anyone to have that kind of work?
2: Mm, beautiful question. I think it's essential for any human being. For any human being, we all need a safe place to express ourselves to be validated to be heard to be understood to be held every human being needs that Um, I think it's more socially acceptable for women to seek a place to express emotions and I would still say that, that that women are still there are still emotions that are more socially acceptable for women to feel yeah but there's 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 more of a and understanding that, that is common practice whereas for men it's kind of like buck up come on mm. push through you know it's it's these stereotypes that that literally keep us stuck and let's do things differently so what a great question thank you adam thank you for raising it every human being needs that kind of support every human being would benefit from having an opportunity to to check in and have these conversations
1: and why is it good to go to an external person? I say external, I mean, not just a friend or family member. Why? And definitely not to your yoga teacher. Don't use your yoga teacher first. But why is it good to go to <laughs> a, a professional or find external support?
2: Okay. So in addition to, to seeking the support of someone who is trained in that kind of modality, um, who has a, a practical working toolkit that they can empower you with, the benefit of speaking to someone impartial is that you then don't have to manage their emotions right you know how often do we speak with our close friends and family about really big things but we sort of we kind of we're aware of the emotional impact it will have on them so it it Mm -hmm. it creates a filtering Mm -hmm. or sometimes we're aware that in sharing that thing where do they have the capacity is it is it a good time? You know, there are so many different layers to it. Also, speaking to someone impartial, they can there. There are no sort of preconceived ideas. You know, I can remember when I moved to the UK from Australia. I'd just finished. I'd gone straight from school to uni, and I did six years at uni. When I moved here, there was like no one. No one knew me. There was no one saying, "Oh, you don't normally do that. Oh, oh that's oh, you should do this because that's that's in keeping." You know. In the same way when we seek support from someone impartial again there, there's not that layer of expectation there's a sense of that person is meeting us where we're at now and they're listening to what's important to us as a human being and there's no vested interest other than that person is there to to, to help you blue help you thrive or help you cope whatever you know whatever it is that you you need in that moment mm.
0: One of the many things I love about you, Susie, is I was just having a little read on your Instagram and it, it, I don't know if you still do it, but it looks like you take one-to-one clients out to the woods to have your chats, which I sounds a bit weird when I say it like that, but when I read it, it sounded so
1: beautiful. I, 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 <laughs> hope you, I hope there is some kind of filtering system there. There are people you know, you have had a pre-existing relationship with that client.
2: Yeah, I, and I, I I don't go to the to the wilderness, you know, these are well-being <laughs> parts. Yeah, I used to do... Beautiful walk and talks love along that. Manly Beach. We walked from Manly Round to Shelley Beach along the, mm. the the promenade. That was gorgeous, but you know I couldn't be further from the beach now. So it's it's bluebells in the woods at the moment. It's it's glorious. I love, I love that that feeling of being side by side. Mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. we're walking the path together. I think that way of delivering therapy. It's so powerful that shared humanity, shared experience, and just just the the. The sheer fact that you are moving, like we don't second guess ourselves as much. Mm. You know, when you're sat opposite someone in a, in a therapeutic context, there's this real sense of, I'm thinking about what I've just said. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about what I'm going to say next. I'm interpreting, but when you're walking, it's like your brain can't do all of that as well as walk and take in nature's beauty. So it just, it helps us get to the nub of things so much faster. I'm so glad that resonated.
1: I, I read something somewhere, and, and I forget the research, but I remember thinking at the time, oh, it's, actually, it's a significant piece of research, that men, when they're face-to-face, are far less open with each other, there is some kind of ingrained competitiveness or combative, combattiveness <laughs> uh, <laughs> going <laughs> on. So men, in terms of opening up and having better conversations, are better side-to-side, and that actually includes gay couples that gay men are far better off even at a restaurant then they're far more likely to open up being next to each other rather than facing each other Mm. Uh, really interesting I think that's
2: really interesting yeah and I think a lot of parents would say that for the kids for teens as well like Mm. you have the most amazing conversations with your teens when you're sat in the driver's seat and they're Mm. behind you as opposed to sat at the dinner table opposing each other yeah yeah Absolutely. Yeah, this is the thing that, like, whatever removes the barriers. Yeah. Totally. And if it feels confrontational or this sense of like being observed, well, then take it out in nature's beauty and go for a walk side by side.
0: Can we talk a little bit about your idea of what rest means? Because this is where I met you, Susie, on, uh, in Lauren Arms' Mastermind group. And you came and did an amazing session. And you completely reframed what rest meant, in my head anyway. For me, I just always thought, oh, rest is when you go upstairs and you lie down and you close your eyes for 20 minutes. And so I never really you know, did much Fix. it because it's always wrapped in guilt, isn't it? Rest um, is for the week. <laughs> and Adam's constantly <laughs> saying, you know, you're weak if you rest and <laughs> Um, but you know you you had so much to say about uh, what rest could actually be and I'd just love you to speak
2: about that just to share your beautiful work oh I'm so glad you've asked I love talking about rest I love breaking down the barriers because I think the collective depletion is huge right now there's an awareness that we need to restore and replenish but at the same time there are really significant barriers to us feeling like it's okay to do it. Um so that's why I wanted to offer up a fresh definition and a whole new approach that would by virtue of that new definition remove those barriers. So rather than thinking of rest exclusively as lying down in stillness on your own doing nothing or picking up some kind of device and and having a scroll or you know Netflix it can be those things, right? But rest in a broad sense, is anything that you need to bring you back to balance. Mm. It's coming back to this notion of what is truly restorative, and that comes down to how you've used your mind and your body, what kind of environments that you've been immersed in. So from that perspective, you know, rest could be joyful movement. It could be connecting with another human being. It could be even a gently um, stretchy mental challenge. You know, if you've been involved in some kind of monotonous task, you might want to do something that, you know, opens your eyes and develops a new skill or some kind of, um, creative expression. So rest is any, anything that brings you back to balance or a sense of harmony or peace. I love that. So in in a way you could actually say
0: that rest could sometimes be the opposite of what
2: you've been doing all day. Could be. Yeah. Because absolutely are out of balance doing one yes. thing all day. Yeah. That's right, yeah. So if you look at, you know, the rest that you need in the throes of um, the early stages of parenthood, yeah, that would be vastly different to what um, what my mum would need in her 80s, mm. yeah? It, it comes down to the, the level of stimulation that you've had, the kind of stimulation that you've had, um, where your nervous system is at. Mm. And I'd also add that I think we tend to associate rest with something that you do after the fact maybe mm-hmm. it's something that we've earned we've worked hard so yes. now we've we've earned our rest i would suggest let's turn it on its head let's take a look at rest as the fuel that allows us to move through our day as we aspire to mm-hmm. yeah you know, this is this is basic energy management so we do it proactively you know as you say adam you you knew that you were facing this period of a challenge in your life so you proactively reached out mm. you know that was a restorative act yeah. Mm. So applauding you. This, this makes perfect sense. If we can factor this in, this is just, this is how we compassionately pace ourselves and move through life with, uh, you know, with, with, with a fighting chance of staying on our feet. Otherwise we're, mm. we're forever, um, you know, trying to put ourselves back together, aren't we?
0: what would you say about this I feel like sometimes burnout is almost glorified you know people say oh I was burnt out I'm working so hard and I'm so busy as if it's like this really you know a well done pat on the back and and that's why you know you get rest and self-care it's it's all wrapped up in guilt and we yeah we do it once we feel like we've earned it and why is that why do we live in a society where where burnout is glorified and we don't I don't don't think
1: is (laughs) it it, I think but it's I think it's overworking is perhaps glorified, right. and there, there is a glorification of and there is a glorification of busy, but then yes, burnout absolutely. is negative. And then on that note, to extend from Holly, there is a definition of burnout. Even I forget it, but someone on a podcast they have very clearly defined what burnout is and the three things. That, I don't know. I don't know if there is there is a definition in the in your world or whether that person was just creating one. But would you talk about burnout in any particular way and what it means? Yeah.
2: Yeah, there's there's a World Health, Health Organization definition that says that burnout is a result of stress that's improperly managed. That's what I've seen. Okay, um, that's slightly different to to what you're talking about. But what a, it's not a terribly helpful definition because anyone who's experienced burnout mm-hmm. is going to look at that and go, "Well, I, sh- I clearly I'm done with self care. Good enough, you know." And it's just, mm-hmm. I mean, that is not what that definition is 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 about. It's saying that there's there is essentially too much stress for this. This individual to manage, Mm. right? That is that is what it's saying. It's it is a complete overload, Mm. and I think that's the difference between stress and burnout. When Mm. we're feeling stressed, we tend to say to ourselves, "If only I had an extra day in the Mm. week, I'd be right." Yeah. (laughs) When you are burnt (laughs) out, that's when you're saying, "Stop the world! I want to get off." You know, Mm. give me another Mm. month, Mm. and it would make not a lick of difference because I'm fried. I am done. Mm. Uh, And you Mm. know, and to be honest with you, um that's that's really where my passion for rest originates in my own experience of energetic bankruptcy mm-hmm. where I became a mum at the same time as losing my dad and the how that felt for me was like I literally felt like I put my finger in a plug socket mm. and I was my nervous system was frazzled I couldn't I couldn't couldn't cope with 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 loud noises bright lights it was it's not very helpful when you've but a four-month-old baby <laughs> isn't. Um, not being able to tolerate that kind of sensory stimulation. Um and that's that's really where this this passion for empowering people with accessible and potent restorative practices come from. Because I know what it's like, mm-hmm. you know, to 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 feel so so exhausted, but but not have the same time energy funds available that that I would normally have to mm. to nourish myself that was that was quite a period of squeeze wow
1: I guess coming come back to the I guess the, I interrupted you a little bit Holly so I guess Holly's <laughs> first question was about Sorry. in theory why is there this glorification of busy yeah and why is okay. it, why is it that people yep. aren't identifying that they do need to look after themselves why okay. is that why is that not priority for people
2: Sure. Do you know what? It it, it has ancient roots. We are a social animal. We rely each other on each other for collective survival. Okay, so when you look at a hunter-gatherer society, we can see how being seen as idle would be deeply, deeply uh, not okay. Mm -hmm. You know, we've we've got to be pitching in, yes? Mm -hmm. But then it was further amplified historically by Sloth being named one of the seven deadly sins. yeah, and then we had the church and factory owners and mill owners terrifying people into ceaseless graft because that's what they they needed to control people, mm-hmm. right? Um, mm-hmm. And then you look at modern times, we've got um, fitness industry that tells us no pain, no gain. Mm-hmm. We've got hustle mm-hmm. and grind culture that tells mm-hmm. us you snooze, you lose. yeah. Um, what you've already mentioned there, so the conflation of productivity with self-worth, the glorification of busy, um, and then you've got consumerism that constantly pokes at our insecurities, yeah. and then we've got social media and the rise of the experts who are showing us how to cook the perfect meal, do the perfect yoga pose, you know, be the therapist for their family, mm-hmm. you know, create art like an ex gardens. It is endless. Mm-hmm. Like with yeah. all of this self improvement um, required of us, how how could we take a moment? To pause. It's just like <laughs> that list is reeling through that list. Oh, my God, yes I'm exhausted. So, so right. Look at that noise.
0: Yeah. I mean, just you saying. Excuse yeah. me. When we day. take a look
2: at what rest facilitates, you know, I see it as this is how I pace myself so that when I hit the school gates at three fifteen, I can actually be present and available for my kids. This is the stuff that will help me stay married. This is the stuff that, if I want to sit here with any sense of authenticity and integrity, I need to be doing these things. So from my perspective, I don't see there's no indulgence in rest. Mm-hmm. rest is is the necessary means for me to be able to step up and and perform as I aspire to in the roles that are important to me. Mum, wife, psychologist, daughter, sister. How do you guide people to, because
0: I've heard all I've heard this and I know it, you know, on an intellectual level, I know, you know, if I just go and take a bit of time out, I'm going to be a better mom, I'm going to be better this, better that. But I still feel, I still get those feelings of, oh gosh, I should be doing this, this and that when I, when I take the time out. And I'm just on that journey of how do I, how do I really sort of embody that deep inner knowing that this is going to be really good for me and make it a priority You know, is there there a sort of, I don't know, process or is it just practice and
2: seeing the effects of it? How do you sort of go about that? I think there are a few different layers there. Like one is actually making it happen. Mm. Yeah, that's the stumbling block, actually carving out time and space for this stuff. Um, And I would also say that, you know, this doesn't necessarily have to be an hour of our time. Mm. This could be a series of what I call micro habits you know, there there might be a 30-second practice that I do first thing when I I open my eyes in the morning. There's something that I do in the midst of, you know, making the packed lunches. Mm. There are things that I do in between um, coaching sessions. There's definitely stuff that I would do before I give a corporate talk. This is, it, it creates a rhythm and pulse to my day and it's having this toolkit. Mm. So if time is a barrier, it doesn't need to be. There are some restorative practices that do take time and if they're important to you, then that's where They've got to be on the to-do list. They've got to be scheduled. Otherwise, there's never a good time for that, right? So that's from a logistical point of view. But in terms of, honestly, we can turn the most juicy restorative practice into something depleting by what we say to ourselves during it, Mm. yeah? If we're saying, I should be doing this, I can't be doing this. (laughs) Okay, I totally get that. You know, this comes down to presence and and focusing in the mind and connecting with what is the purpose of this thing? I am doing this thing to resource myself so that I can be present with you guys right now. We can have a a, a coherent conversation or because I want to reconnect with my kids later. It's like identifying the purpose Mm -hmm. and that purpose galvanises you to get the most out of it Mm -hmm. because we don't want to fritter it away and waste it, but it comes down, as you say, practice. And for people who are thinking, oh, I've got to wait to feel deserving before I do it, Mm -hmm. here's the thing the feeling of, of of tenderness and worth and compassion comes from the the tender action mm. okay don't mm. wait to feel it first mm-hmm. i promise you and you'll adam you'll know this you know you get people onto the yoga mat you get them breathing you get them moving and after they've done it they feel differently about themselves don't they mm-hmm. yeah but you don't have to feel that way to begin with mm-hmm. give yourself mm-hmm. permission do it, even if you feel uncomfortable about doing it or a little bit guilty, remembering that the presence of guilt doesn't actually mean that we're transgressing our moral code. Do it anyway, and you will feel better for it. And you build that muscle with, with practice and consistency. But I guess it's important
1: yeah. to acknowledge as well, let's with the yoga analogy, is that you might not feel better immediately after one session. You have to trust that it might be a year's worth of practice that lets you find your balance. And I think in, in in a world full of kind of quick fixes, you know, people might think, you know, what? I'm really stressed out. All these horrible things have happened to me this week. I'm going to go to a 60-minute restorative class and everything will be okay. And then it isn't, mm. inevitably. And then you think, I'm never going to yeah. do that again. It didn't work. Uh, I'm just going to accept that I'm miserable and just have a drink of alcohol instead. Uh, so I mm-hmm. guess the, the, so mm-hmm. the, quest- the question is, or like, well, not the question, but the observation is that people need, to understand the benefits of these practices, or at least some people, on a very objective level, and that's where I yeah. guess modern science has come into it, isn't it? There's been lots of research, lots yeah. of proves that meditation, self care, sleep is a big one. So it's Huge. It's, mm. it's the bigger thing for many people, and then actually, if there's anything wrong in your life, you might just need to sleep a little yeah. bit more.
2: <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. Absolutely. Yeah. Get an early night. Give yourself permission to meet your sleep needs yes we
0: are, we are celebrate well I am celebrating today having a full seven hours of sleep last night for the first time in nine months Woo-hoo. <laughs> and oh my gosh feel like a new woman today
1: <laughs> are, there, are there any practices that you kind of encourage people to do or that are part of your arsenal for not the not a critic but for someone who needs convincing that is there anything you do that is science based or that's been researched, saying this this actually definitely will help uh, balance, either the parasy- parasympathetic nervous system or or alike? Are there any practices that you do uh, that you persuade that critical lawyer for your client to do or like?
2: It's really interesting. I've done I've done a bunch of, of executive coaching, and I think it's it's a very different um, population. <laughs> um, I I have to be honest with you, I just keep coming back to the things that that I know work. They're irrefutable. Mm. You know, it's the it's the antidepressant effects of movement mm-hmm. and it's the calming effect of of touch and breath mm. for you know nervous system reg- regulation. But how that works for each individual is very different. So it's we have to meet people where they're at. Mm. Um, some people are not interested in, in yoga, but sometimes we can convince them to do a little stretch. Mm-hmm. Some people don't like breath work, mm-hmm. but they'd be up for a chicken wing shoulder roll, mm-hmm. fingertips on shoulders, breathe in, lift the elbows up, breathe out, tip the elbows down. It looks like movement. It's a breathing practice. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm sneaky. I get it in there by hook or by crook because <laughs> I know it works. Uh, with breath work I I'm, I'm always I know
0: how powerful it is and people talk about how amazing it is how it makes you feel so good but I feel so resistant to it and I don't know why and I, I know that it could make me feel so much better and more energized etc etc but I always feel myself blocking like standing in my own way when it comes to actually doing it and I wonder if there's mm-hmm. anything to do with um being resistant to doing the inner work almost, you know, some sort of healing stuff that needs to come to the surface through breath work. Is that something that you have anything to sort of say around
2: it? Am I making you sense? I think it could be, yeah, absolutely. I think it could be even simpler than that, Holly. Mm. Um if I can just share a little of my life experience. Yes, in, in the throes of of grief, um, when I when I lost dad, um at that point I'd been teaching yoga for 10 years. I was a really experienced practitioner. I had um, a strong uh, breathing practice in stillness. Yeah, I would sit and do manipulations with my breath. In that experience of grief, my breath felt so constricted that sitting in stillness and trying to breathe bigger and fuller felt like a violence because mm. the, the, there was nowhere for it to go, and it was it was it was actually quite unsettling because it was like normally I can. I can do this but there was no muscling through that what actually worked better was moving with the breath Mm. so that i wasn't thinking about the breath i wasn't trying to extend it or do anything with it i was actually opening up my body to receive a more complete breath in and coming back to my center which would invariably galvanize the diaphragm to help me more completely empty the lungs I, i wasn't thinking about the breath and i think this can be a real stumbling block for a lot of people just thinking about the breath or trying to change it in any way can agitate people, Mm. some people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We still want to work with the breath, but let's perhaps pair it with movement. It could be as simple as breathe in, open the hands, breathe out, close the palms. It could be a mountain breath, breathe in, raise the arms, breathe out, lower the arms. And that can be a way in. But again, it's like, I'm a big fan of taking the path of least resistance. Like, there are so many different ways of nourishing ourselves. It's okay for this to be a source of self-expression. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but also let's do take a look. If there are things that we habitually say, no, 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 that's not for me. Well, yeah, well, let's take a look. Maybe why? Is there mm. maybe is there a slightly different tweak that would make that thing feel more resonant or accessible? Mm-hmm. Interesting questions.
1: And the, like that, that path of least resistance idea, I think we can apply to breath work in that breath work isn't necessarily fun like people Mm. can do yoga because it's fun we're used to movement you know it could be a nice vibe in class or music my class is not particularly fun but (laughs) some yoga styles are fun and (laughs) and people can do that as a fun activity meditation very rarely would people go there to have a nice time Mm. and I think breath work is the same Mm. so I like the idea as what you do kind of fusing it in doing a little Mm. bit of breath work at some point I do a little bit of pranayama only a little bit because I think strong pranayama could be too much in a public dropping class. Mm-hmm. But I do a little bit at the start of my vinyasa classes mm-hmm. just so people are getting exposed to that and then a little bit of a longer shavasana than they might be used to. It. But I think yes, sliding yes. these practices in somewhere can be really yes. useful.
2: Yes, I think that's a really, really good point. Like for anyone that thinks rest is lazy, okay, I, I ask them, have you ever tried to establish a meditation habit? a breathing practice, Mm -hmm. some kind of yoga, like these things are really hard to develop. Mm. It is far easier to go to the gym or to keep working. Mm. So if it's so hard to do it, how can it be lazy? It takes enormous diligence and persistence to develop these habits. Mm. It ain't lazy. It's hard. Let's be honest. It can be really hard. We can be totally confronted with ourselves. There's some research that shows that People would prefer to give themselves a mild electric shock than <laughs> to sit and do nothing. nothing. How about that?
0: <gasps> yes. Why do you find it so hard to do nothing? I'll
2: tell you why. Oh, we are so addicted. We're yeah. addicted to stimulation. If there's yeah. a spare second, pick it up. I'll scroll. Okay. I'll, I've done email. Okay. So I'll check WhatsApp. When that's done, oh, I'll check Instagram. Ooh, then it is endless. We are so used to being occupied with something that sitting doing nothing is. There is now an awareness of a cacophony of inner states that we've mm. been totally distracted from by virtue of all of this busyness, sound stimulation around us.
1: I think you could argue that a lot of the world's problems right now are the inability for most individuals to be alone with their thoughts for half an hour. Mm. I think, yeah. I think that could be a stronger yep. argument for that. Uh, yep. There's one there's, there's one <laughs> quote I'd like to share. And I read it last night. I'd i read it originally, it's Paolo Cahello, who mm. I haven't read for years. But I was reading a book by Peter Attia, a book called Outlive. Uh so Peter, have you come across Peter Attia at all? I have you, you would love no. his work. So he's quite a quite a famous doctor, researcher. He's been on all sorts of TV programmes, loads of podcasts like Huberman Podcast, and et cetera. Uh, wonderful man, really good critical thinker. And a lot of what he's saying here in his book, you would really resonate with the power of sleep, actually that movement is probably the most important factor beyond diet, many things, but he he ended it with a conversation on mental health as one component mm-hmm. that he acknowledges he's not an expert on. And he shared his story, which was on the externally, you'd think he had everything, you know, competent doctor, researcher, own you know host a clinic host a practice etc and yet was just losing his rag addicted to work Mm. his baby almost died but he was so addicted to work he didn't go home for a week he just stayed there and just messaged his wife uh smashed stuff Uh, long story but then he shared this quote by peter uh, by paolo kahelo which is maybe the journey isn't so much about becoming anything maybe it's about unbecoming everything that isn't really you so you can be who you are meant to be in the first place. Mm. And I think that really resonates with this idea of rest is that all these distractions we talk about, the things we can preoccupy with are distract us from who we are. Mm. And then as such, we never really have the chance to become who we are meant to be. Exactly. And I actually think rest can be mm-hmm. a hugely contributing factor to that.
2: Totally. That brings me back to conversations that I've been having on, on Instagram this week. A couple of weeks ago, I wanted to take a look at the virtue of selflessness, mm-hmm. and I was thinking about where does this, where does this messaging come from that, that we, we must be selfless to be valuable human beings? Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. My core values are generosity, kindness, care, nurturing. I, I, I want to take care of other people. However, you take a look at the messaging. A good baby is one that sleeps well and doesn't trouble its parents. That's a good child, mm. yeah? That good child doesn't, doesn't, doesn't speak up, doesn't voice its needs. It's just amenable, yeah? Good children don't speak back to adults. You don't talk back to, to grown-ups, yeah? Mm-hmm. And then when we get into the, to, to, to the motherhood ideals, we've got this selfless, constant self-sacrificing mother. Mm. With these ideals thrown around, how can we ever say to ourselves, I need to meet my basic human needs because from birth, we've been told don't have needs, Mm -hmm. just get on with it. Don't trouble people around you. Rest is where we meet our basic human needs. Mm -hmm. And I think we've had enough conversation around healthy exercise, healthy nutrition. We're starting to have that conversation about sleep. It's okay to meet your sleep needs. Rest is the next revolution that's required where we say, this is a basic human need Mm -hmm. and it's okay for me to meet my needs. And the opposite as selflessness is not selfish Mm. it's honoring self Mm. it's healthy boundaries and that's why when we renegotiate our relationship with rest we revolutionize our relationship with ourselves Mm.
0: I think it was yeah Oprah said something amazing once she was on an interview and she said it makes her laugh when people say oh she's so full of herself because she said why would I not be full of myself like what's why is it wrong to be full of your yourself and be who you truly are and, you know, your best version of yourself, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, I love that. I love can we, that. Can we go back uh, to your journey a little bit? Because <laughs> I feel like we didn't, what
1: you know, my <laughs> impression of Oprah. No, not the impression of Oprah. <laughs> I just, I think that, I think what Oprah says is wonderful and she has every right And let's forget the term full of yourself, she has every right to be proud of her, her and who she is and what she's become and what the influence she's having on the world. But I think people hear that and people that haven't done the work that Oprah has on their selves say that it's I'm just who I am. And, and, and that means often people don't grow. They remain quite arrogant kind of arseholes <laughs> that are like, I, yeah. I could just be me. It's just me. This is who I am. I'm owning it or whatever I want to say. And it almost gives permission for people not to do self work. So I'm, 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 tangent, taking, tangent. I'm taking two extremes there. But,
0: yeah. I want to hear a little bit more about Susie, <laughs> your, your journey, because I feel like we, we came away from that a little bit and you were really vulnerably sharing about your dad and grief and everything. And I'm just wondering if there was a point where you maybe were overworked and, and really stressed out and you thought, right, something needs to change. I need to start looking at my, my oh. self-care and rest. Or did it just sort of, was yeah. it a gradual process of you sort of introducing lots of little things or how did it kind of manifest for you to getting into this
2: world? Do you know what? I've always been... But like nourishing practices have always been a priority for me. So I, I started professional life as a psychologist, but uh I moved to the UK accidentally for what was meant to be a two-month holiday that turned into seven years. And there were parts of my degree that weren't you, recognized here miss by the a, BPS. Did you miss a
1: flight? What happened?
2: I was having too much fun. It was <laughs> just too much fun. Um so I, I I fell back on on working as a personal trainer. Um I've totally forgotten where I was going with that thread.
1: The so, question so you, was: your you weren't your professional qualifications weren't acknowledged. So you went back to being a personal trainer. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: I can't. Do you know, I can't it's even remember right, what I my t- question was.
1: your question was just a little bit about how you ended up doing what you're doing and believing it in it so much.
0: Yeah. Was there a sort of pivotal moment, or was it a gradual process? You said you always loved the nourishing yeah. practices. I don't
2: know. Just go. Yeah. yeah like okay. That. No. Okay. No. The, I there was there there was absolutely a pivotal moment. And that was it was when my firstborn was four months old, I had dad in one intensive care unit. Uh, it, it, it was posthumously diagnosed as motor neurone disease. And I had my mum in another intensive care unit because she developed cellulitis from an injury that she, she hadn't really attended to because she was so busy looking after mm. my father. Oh. Um, and, and And a baby that was four months old, Didn't sleep for more than three hours at a time. And both my parents needed me. They both needed bits and pieces delivered. And honestly, I was on my knees. And at that point, I realized that my depletion served no one. I had to be really mercenary at doing whatever I needed to keep going because people were relying on me. And if I couldn't do it for me, I had to do it for those in my care. So that for me was like this fundamental shift in And understanding that there is nothing selfish about this, this is this is necessary for self-preservation. And I would say also in that moment there was this because life was so full-on. I couldn't afford to be tough on myself, and there was a really fundamental shift in my self-talk. You know, there was no there was I could see how if I was punitive with myself, I was going to fall over and not get back up. I needed I need literally I needed literally every single tender coaxing word to, to help me keep going so yeah that life experience was the lessons from that ran deep and that that has that's changed the whole course of my life wow
1: and then just uh, coming back to how how that transitioned to what you're doing now so you you fell back mm-hmm. on not fell back on but came back to psychology when you came back to the UK yeah. And then at what point did you then specialize in rest? And then, I guess, as, okay. a, pro- as a, in a professional question, how did you make yourself, how did you find your niche? And how did you make yourself stand out to be doing the kind of work you are now?
2: Okay, interesting. I have to be honest with you, I'm not sure I have completely found my niche because um, I do so many different things. You know, there's some people that come to me for counseling,
1: mm.
2: you know, people that are in the midst of a grief journey or a transition, like transition to parenthood. Or menopause Mm. and yet there are other people Mm. who I coach them there's business mentoring uh there's coaching people through how to create sustainable healthy habits Mm. I do corporate talks Mm. I write I think that the overarching theme there is I I I nourish and nurture people and I empower them Mm. with the tools of 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 self-care and bigger than that I actually hope I'm helping them reclaim themselves Mm. Um, but yeah, there are lots of different twists and turns to, to my career. So I originally trained as a psychologist, moved here, worked as a PT for seven years. Um, that was the part-time job that I did going through university. I just didn't realise that Australian PTs were held in such high regard here
1: and sort of
2: accidentally <laughs> fell into that and had a thriving business. That um, and, and in that, that's where I did the yoga teacher training qualifications, which for me feels like a really beautiful bridge between the psychology and fitness, the mind and the body. But it was when we moved back to Australia to start a family um, that for me, I just felt like I had earned my stripes as a human being. I knew that, you know, when I was working as a PT, I was still practicing as a psychologist by stealth, but I wasn't calling it that. I felt like having had that life experience, I could wear that hat and say, yeah, I'm, I'm here to work with people in that therapeutic capacity. Um, But then we moved again back to the UK um, and that's where I started writing. Something I'd always wanted to do, but this was a way of of reaching more people. You know, not everyone can afford one-to-one work. So this is a way of making um, my frameworks and my toolkits more accessible. It's more recently that rest has become the the topic of choice. Before self-care, I've I've got another book called Sit to Get Fit, which is all about movement but it's it's I think that's a really interesting one out of about niching you know sometimes we feel this we feel propelled to 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 specialize when in actual fact I quite like having a portfolio Mm -hmm. career where things can expand and contract with you know what's happening on the family front um it's and it depends on what people are interested in and it's what we've learned over the last three years is we've got to be responsive, don't we? My goodness, how many pivots did we have to do?
1: Yes. And I and I think niche, niche not nature, niche, niching. You're not American. <laughs> it almost, I think, this is a slight exaggeration, but I think kind of decreases self-worth. Because you're almost saying that I I need to rely on something outside myself to find my clients and that is to find a mm. very, very, very specialist topic that no one else yeah. can do. And if anything, what's quite empowering is I'm going to kind of specialise in a few topics, but I believe in myself so much that people will choose to work with me, mm. even though mm. I'm not the only person doing it. I think almost finding a really, really deep niche, it's almost like being scared. I need to find my little hole. And bad people need, yes. to, need to just find me and, and yes. they need to really want particularly me. So I think there is... There is something about it that That's is not necessarily the best thing.
2: I love that, Adam. That that really speaks to me. Mm. There is freedom, there is there is breadth, this latitude, there are lots of different ways that we can express ourselves. There are lots of different ways that we can be of service. This yeah. So it doesn't pr- need to be this yeah. solving that one problem.
0: Yeah. It's so refreshing because I've done, you know, a few business courses and the top of the list is always find your basically the message is find your niche or you're not going to be successful. And I've heard that many, many times in so many different ways. And I've I've never really sort of found it. And I think you know we're multifaceted beings, aren't we? We're not just one thing. And I personally love to work with people who I see, you know, a bit of their personal life, and mm. I see them writing a book, and I see them making music, and I think, wow, what an interesting person! I want a piece of that rather than oh,
1: they 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 only do this and this. I want my brain surgeon to have a niche show. <laughs> yeah, like,
0: there are yeah, certain people I right, like quite want. <laughs> yes, that's, that's nice. To hear yes. That. yeah. <laughs> I did have a question. I've forgotten it. Do you have any?
1: <laughs> no, no. So, yeah, I guess just moving forward. So you've written these books. Could you talk a little bit about the tools and the toolkits enclosed in those books? So There's,
0: there are seven or eight. By but the, way, the book, I, I
1: guess, the book that is most accessible to our listeners. So our listeners are a mix of people that like yoga, like wellness, have jobs, probably between twenty and seventeen. Well, maybe
0: the latest one, rest to reset. Oh yeah, that would yeah, make but sense. You've got a beautiful framework for rest that I loved when you spoke about it. So maybe you could chat
2: a little bit about that. Yeah. Oh, I I loved, I'd love to share rest to reset because I think um, what I wanted to do with that book is to make rest accessible regardless of how much time, how much space, how much energy you have. So it it is all based on really practical toolkits. So I've got a toolkit in there for if you've got 60 seconds, these are the kind of practices that you could do, as opposed to if you don't even have your hands free and you can't stop this is something you can do or if you're looking at okay what do you do in the aftermath of poor sleep you might have five ten minutes these are the practices i wanted it to be really concrete not just skills and concepts i want to do this practice try this breathing exercise try this stretch try this visualization use this mantra use this um, nature anchor for for a, a reflective practice, meditative practice, it's all very very practical. Mm.
1: Could could we try like a case study? Let's, can we use me as a case study? Yes, you don't mess.
0: Me.
2: Please, yes. <laughs> so let me
1: let me give you yes. like let me give you like my typical. I'm going to give you a typical uh, not a typical but one of my 24 hours. So let's mm-hmm. start at <laughs> six. Now let's start at 4 p.m. on a Tuesday. 4 p.m. on a Tuesday. Get to London. Uh, so to get an hour long train to London, teach a class. Run across London, teach another class. Uh, that finishes mm-hmm. at nine. Then get a tube, a train, a car home. So get home at ten fifteen. Go to bed. Mm-hmm. I procrastinate a little bit, to be honest. You know, maybe maybe I look at my phone for a little scroll. bit, scroll or or like. But then go to bed. Permission
2: to be human.
1: Yeah, go to bed. Wake up the next morning at about six. I'm on a train by six fifteen. Uh, teach a private in one part of London. Teach another private, uh, then have a gap of about four hours where I try and do admin. Then I teach another class. Yeah. So that's twenty-four hours. Uh, in terms of how I use a free time, often it's to eat, to travel, to do very ineffective emails because I'm travelling and doing that on my phone. Maybe ring my mom yeah. or alike. But there's yes. very little room for, I guess, rest or what could be perceived as self-care in those twenty-four hours. What what steps could someone like me take in in a day like
2: that okay so the first thing i would do is i would take a look at what you are already doing to nourish yourself and give yourself a huge pat on the back Mm. because so often people say to me oh i'm really bad at self-care i'm bad at rest while they minimize what they're already doing i think if we can Mm. celebrate what you're already doing that gives us a little glow we've got something to play with Mm. so identify how you are already nourishing yourself and give yourself a pat on the back The next thing I would take a look at, where are some windows of opportunity? Now, you've mentioned time on a train, yeah? So if you're sat, you're a captive audience there, you can choose mindfully what you do with that time. Granted, there may be times where you're standing up sardined. Now, that's not going to be very restorative time, but you could listen to something, yeah? So I think about what kind of auditory stimulation you could choose in that moment. Then I would possibly take a look at what are the everyday things that you are already doing? and making them more nourishing. So I'd take a look at the kind of food that you're eating, how you're hydrating yourself, what time you go to bed, you know, sleep hygiene, stuff like that. Um, You know, even something as simple as for people who say, I have zero time, I'd say, okay, let's use your daily shower as an opportunity for a soothing practice. Now, rather than having that shower or bath and mulling over your to-do list or thinking about a conversation you had last week, I want you to make that a sensory experience. Where you are bearing witness to what it is that you're experiencing. It's the same length of time, but what you get out of it is the energetic effect of it is entirely different.
1: Yeah? Love that. So I'd
2: also look
1: later. at, yeah. go on. No, 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 carry on.
2: I'd also look at as a teacher, and I think this is really important for educators, for caregivers, uh, teachers, um. When we're constantly guiding and shaping and giving, we need to receive in our rest. Now, whether that's receiving some kind of touch, having a massage, or lying down in the sunshine and just feeling the warmth, the sun's rays, you know, warm us up, Um, or it could be listening to something guided where you're not having to do that, decision making that planning all the time that can be really restorative where you are receiving information i find that as as an educator myself i love my cpd events where i get to learn i find that really juicy and invigorating rather than me teaching all the time Mm. learning things can feel really fresh and exciting Mm. but you know that could be a two-hour cpd event that i sign up to that i've got six months access to that video i can watch 10 minutes of it here and there you know it's like we need to be creative and resourceful in how we go about these things
1: i love that and even just there you saying that i could immediately think rather than run to prep and grab a, a wrap whilst walking go actually extra minute go to whole foods get a nice bit of food and then instead of trying to spend let's say an hour inefficiently doing emails while i'm trying to eat while i'm trying to walk Sit down, no phone, have my food in in a park, Primo's Hill, not that long a journey, and sit down undistracted, then try and do efficient emails. It was one thing that just brings to mind then. And I I got into a lovely habit for a while. I signed up for this kind of like motivational program, and I was doing it every day. Then all it takes sometimes is one little blip, and you forget about Mm -hmm. it. And it's gone. I haven't mm-hmm. done that for so long now. So it's been more, I guess a lot of what you've said is all about just being more conscious with how you use it, the limited time we all have.
2: Yes. I, I love that just imposing that question, Adam, you've already identified what are some tiny little tweaks. And I think this is something that in just about every conversation I have with anyone around rest, people will say, oh, I used to do that. I forgot that. Mm. Well, what is it that we want to reclaim? It doesn't always have to be something fresh and new. It can be, what can we revisit? Or what can we reclaim perhaps in a slightly different shape if perhaps life variables don't allow that particular expression of that thing
1: right now? So let's just do some little quickfire questions, if that's all right. Okay, so, sure.
0: I love the way you describe yourself on your bio, which is you are someone's calm, safe place during stress, loss and change. It's just so gorgeous. I feel like I just want to have you in my pocket. And I'm just wondering... Who
2: is who or what is your calm, safe place? Oh, that's a gorgeous question. Do you know what I've I've I find an enormous source of comfort and sustenance from nature? Mm. So my safe place, I, I quite often go for a walk along the canal here where i where I live and I look for kingfishers because I swear my dad visits me as a kingfisher. So that that that's a beautiful source of connection
1: for me where do you live
2: I'm, I'm in Hertfordshire there's
1: no canals in London that, was, oh, well, they have, that kingfishers, they have kingfishers that have kingfishers that's beautiful that's really well, something. I
0: think a nice one to end on not a practical one
1: a nice one to end on I guess what <laughs> is there any what's your rest habit for today is there anything you'd like to share that is a way that you're going to help yourself rest today
2: it's been a really busy day um i you know what i think let's let's have a little sense of joviality right if we can put hands on heart and have some fun with this um for people that um find it hard to speak to themselves with kindness here's a little trick instead of referring to ourselves as you or i which tends to cultivate more judgmental self-talk. If we call ourselves by a pet name, that helps us naturally cultivate kinder self-talk. So I've I've been using my pet name all day and it's bunny. (laughs) So I invite people, join me in that practice, you know, find your pet name and call yourself by your pet name and just, just, just be tender, just be kind so even if you haven't got any extra time, it's like we can just weave a little bit of tenderness into our day and that can make all the difference. Now, Adam, Holly, you're very welcome to share your pet names. Let's have a giggle.
0: When you said pet name, I, I just thought um like a past animal or, a, or an animal you have in the house. So I, just, I just thought oh no. I, I actually really like mine now. It's Suki. We had a little kitten in lockdown and we, we lost her and like we adored her so much. And I feel like that's quite a cute pet name for me.
1: So I'm going to call myself Suki now.
2: It's <laughs> like, Yeah, it feel could be for, something that you know, like a grandparent called you. Yeah.
1: Or for men, it's a bit different. Like you know, Isn't for it? men, the most common pet name <laughs> men are nasty to each other but don't mean it. So lots of like pricks and pricks and tossers. think. No. Like, oh, but in an affectionate way, that's how guys kind of mean it. What
0: do you feel nurtured when you? But, call no, yourself but
1: that? I, I almost do the exercise. I like to think about, I guess, me speaking to someone I love. Hmm. So someone external yeah. when I'm speaking to myself there's yeah. there's a line yes. there's, there's there's a punk a punk rock group not rock punk group called the idols and one of their lines right. is if someone spoke to you the way you spoke to you I'd punch them in the face love yourself <laughs> and I love that <laughs> I love and that. so that I like to think I about that. that's that's my version of self talk thinking about how I would how I would say it to Holly and, and yes. speak to myself how the way do you want I your children to, to
2: speak to themselves right yeah, totally yeah
1: I'd cool. love it. and where can people find you now yeah what have you got going oh, on Come where hang out with me on instagram
2: i've i share all my little notes to self on instagram all my little mantras and breathing practice and crazy face yeah. yoga stuff just whatever you know it's it's all it's a little soothing pick and mix um and then yeah that's a, that's a good launch pad for all of my books and it's just Susie with a y s-u-z-y reading r-e-a-n-g that's right yeah. yes come and hang out with me there yes. oh, thank, thank you, you so, so much, much, much for joining us
1: it's been a real pleasure
2: it's been a joy thank you i've loved your insightful questions and uh thank you for sharing the journey with me honestly unbalanced